So this thing of missional, we shared with you about the missional Christian the first week, and then we shared with you about the missional church last week. Today, I want to share with you about missional Christ. And, you know, why did Jesus come to this earth? What, what's going on? What did God have in mind when they decided to send Jesus to earth? And what was accomplished? And, you know, these questions have been asked a lot. You know that Jesus is very popular today. I mean, it's amazing uh, how the word of God and how Jesus is mentioned. Last night, I was watching a, a French movie. <laughs> It's amazing, an old movie uh, made back, I don't know, many, many years ago. And, uh, you know, they had subtitles on it. And it was, it, it was about these guys in a German prison camp trying to escape. And, and in that, guess, guess who was up in the jail with them? Jesus. They were, they were reading the Bible. They were, they, were, they were sharing the word. It was just amazing uh, how Jesus finds his way in every nook and cranny. And you know what? I, I don't mind if Jesus is being uh, talked about negatively. Or positively. I'm like the Apostle Paul. I'm just glad it's being talked about. It's just amazing. He's so popular. And so many questions have been asked. So many books have been written. So many arguments have been made about Jesus. It's really astonishing. As a matter of fact, if you want to spice up a conversation with the guys, just mention the name of Jesus. It's just something about that name. You can say God all day long. Say, oh, the Lord, the man upstairs. Say all that kind of thing. But when you say Jesus... Something happens, in the com something happens in the room. It's just amazing. I, I love that. He, you know, Jesus has messed up more conversations than anybody else. Amen? And, and Jesus, along with every other man of God and woman of God down through the ages, finds himself like in a tight spot. You know, him and John the Baptist, they were cousins, and, and you know, they were like in ministry uh, together, and John is the one who introduced Jesus, said this is the Lamb of God. But you know, the amazing thing is, is, is people. People are amazing. And when it came to John the Baptist and Jesus, they were really, uh, they, they were like contrast. They were the same but different. And Jesus was speaking to a group of people one day, and this is what he said in, in Luke chapter 7. He said, John the, John the Baptist didn't spend his time eating uh, bread or drinking wine. And you say he's possessed with a demon. And, and I can see why they might have thought that. I mean, you know, he must have been kind of rough looking. He lived in the wilderness. He ate locusts and, and honey. And I mean, you know, and he came out just saying, repent, you know what I mean? Vipers. And I mean, he was probably a strong dude. And then he says this. He said, but, you know, I, the son of man, I've come and, and I'm feasting and I'm drinking. And, and you say that I'm a. A glutton, I'm a, I'm, I'm a drunkard, and that, that I'm spending time with, with tax collectors and other kinds of sinners. Jewish people were real big on sinners. The religious crowd was real big on sinners. They like to point out that they weren't sinners like that sinner, and I'm glad I'm not like that guy. And, you know, they were real religious when they did that. So Jesus was here, and so, you know, he wasn't uh, embraced by the commonly well-known religious crowd some other he didn't fit there and sometimes people didn't understand him he, he'd go to his hometown he couldn't heal anybody just a few people get healed they they just looked at him as that's you know Jesus that's the carpenter's son and there, all these things were going on but the question is what was the mission of Jesus if, if, if someone was to ask you, what was the mission of Jesus, what would you tell him? You know, what would you say? What, what, what was it? Well, I think it could be answered in one verse of Scripture, 
found in Luke chapter 10, one verse, chapter 19, verse 10, says, for the Son of Man, watch this, the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Just so simple. He was propelled by the love of God because God loves all people. He loves all people. And that generated this compassion in God to come and to seek. First of all, to seek. You see, sometimes we think, well, we, we're seeking after God. Well, you only seek it after God because God seeked after you first. God beats everybody to the punch all the time. He, he, he is always the one who initiates everything. He said, well, I came to Christ when I was young. That's because he initiated a relationship with you. Well, uh, I came to Christ after I'd been, you know, this and that. Well, that's because God initiated something. No one's really seeking God. God's seeking people. And that's what Jesus did. I mean, he went into the marketplace. He engaged people in the homes. He went into the synagogues, the church buildings of those days. He just went looking for people, doing great things and loving people and seeking after them. And, and then, you know, the Bible says he didn't only seek. I'm glad he seeks, but, but he saves. Now, saves. Oh, my. You know, the thing about being saved, you never get saved until you realize you're lost. It's like me. I, I never want to admit I'm lost in my car, that is. But I've got lost in Wiggins before. I mean, I got this horrible sense of direction. I mean, I just, I'm sorry. I just don't know. But, you know, we're in the car. We got the GPS going. But, and the GPS is saying, turn here. And I'm wondering, is it here or is it here? And, and I'm just not sure. And Jan's in the, in the car, and she's got a great sense of direction. And she says, no, turn here. You know, and it gets really ugly sometimes. I mean, I'm like, I don't know to turn. I don't know not to turn. I don't know if I'm lost. I don't know if I'm found. She's always right, by the way. Uh, well, most of the time, she's right. <laughs> most of the time, she's right. You know, I, I, that's why I changed my, uh, my GPS to a man's voice. <laughs> I ain't going to let no woman tell me. <laughs> I just changed it to a man's voice. And sometimes he says that, I say, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. I mean, I just talk back to my GPS, and uh, he, he never answers me. But seeking and saving. You know, this morning in our one-year Bible, we read out of Luke chapter 4, where Jesus said, the reason I'm coming here, I, I, I'm coming out of the book of Isaiah, I'm coming here to seek and to save people. I'm coming to heal the brokenhearted. I'm coming to preach the gospel to the poor. Man, I am here to set the, the captives at liberty. That's what I'm here for. That's what I'm doing. And then he sat down. He gave the guy the book. He sat down and he said, today, guess what? This scripture has been fulfilled. This prophetic word given by the prophet Isaiah fulfilled today. That's what I'm coming to do. I'm coming to set things right. I'm coming to save people. You must realize that you're lost if you're ever going to be saved. And that's one of the greatest revelations that, that even the word of God will give us that we're undone, we're separated from God, we need help, we need to be saved, we need to be set free. What does it mean to be saved? To be saved means to be protected, means to be put back in proper order. That's what God wants to do with people. He just wants to put their life back in order. But I got to realize that I'm out of order before I'll ever ask help to get put in order. So let me save you a lot of trouble. Somebody once said, we're all broken. We all need help. And that's so true. He came to seek and save the lost, those that are disconnected, those that are out of sorts with God, those that need help being reconciled to God. God is like the bank. The bank makes very few errors. God makes none. And the bank's almost perfect. 
I've been working, I worked in accounting for many, many years. I reconcile stacks of checks this high on a monthly basis. And in 11 years of doing that, I never found the bank made one error. I always had to reconcile our checking account to the bank's figures. And when there, when there was a problem, I very seldom went and looked at the bank's error. I looked for my error in accounting. And 99 and 9 tenths percent of the time, no, 100% of the time, I found out that I transposed numbers. I made the mistake. Same with Jesus. Quit trying to figure out what's wrong with God and just look at yourself and say, God, something's wrong with me. I need help. And God will come and he will help you instantly. That's the God we serve. That's what God wants to do. Seek and save the lost. And it's so wonderful to know that. It's so great. Now, Jesus, in his mission, he's just like you. He had a great mission, but he had to go through a lot of distractions, a lot of detractors, a lot of things get in the way of you fulfilling great things in your life. And Jesus, his, he's got the greatest job in the world. He has come to earth to redeem all of mankind, even people who haven't been born yet. What a great job, man. But he had, he had distractions, and his distractions came from places that, that you and I deal with every day. You know what one of his number one distractions were? His number one distraction was his family. His family distracted him continually. His family didn't believe in him. It's amazing. Jesus got very popular, folks. And where he went to preach, it filled up. You know what I'm saying? And, and, it, and, and, and so one day he's up in this place and he's preaching and he's teaching. And man, things are going great. And his, his mother and his brothers come to talk to him. Uh, the Bible says that they thought he was crazy. Thought he was out of his mind, and so they, they evidently trying to talk him out of this thing that he's got himself into. And so they can't get him into the front of the room. They can't get there. They send somebody there, and somebody comes and and uh, they they tell Jesus. They say, "Your mother and your brothers want to see you. They they want. They're outside. They're outside. They they sent me here. They want to see you." And Jesus replied. And this is what he said. He said, "My mother and my brothers." are those who hear God's word and obey it. He, 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 I mean, you know, now, now Jesus honored his mother. But, but he, he set a precedent. He said, it's larger than just your earthly family. It's larger than just my earthly family. My mission transcends my earthly family. There's something bigger going on here. You see, Jesus' family didn't really see his vision. Jesus' family didn't really understand. They didn't know how to follow his vision. A lot like many of you, where family and friends just don't understand this Jesus thing you done got yourself into. I mean, what's up with the church all the time? And now you're reading the Bible. What's up with the Bible stuff you constantly telling us about the Bible? We don't see that. We don't understand that. And I can't believe that you're giving yourself so much to the church. Just don't see it. No different than when I didn't see it. When I was blinded, I didn't see. I didn't understand. I didn't know what was going on in these great churches. Man, I missed 28 years of this good stuff. And all of God's people that said it's the good stuff said amen. You know, some of you, hey, the good stuff is like, what's going on, you know, here? But Jesus, his family. And then he, then he, he really just set things down. I, I love the way Jesus would just be talking and all of a sudden he'd just go, and this is where he helps people. 
Matthew chapter 10. He said, don't think that I've come to bring peace on earth. That startles some people right there because, man, we think he's the prince of peace. He is the prince of peace, but not peace like some people think peace. He said, I didn't come there. I came to bring a sword. I came to separate some people. I came to do something, man, that maybe you're not going to understand. And I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and your own family members, your enemies will be right in your own household. Now, this is not encouraging scripture, Jesus. This, I am not putting this scripture on my refrigerator. I'm not doing this, nor on my mirror when I get ready in the morning to learn how to quote it, memorize it, and quote I'm not going to do this. And then he goes on to say, you know what? If you love your father or your mother more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or your daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. Or, or, or if you know what, if you refuse to take up your, your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you'll lose it. And if you lose your life for me, you will find it. That's powerful scripture, man. That doesn't sound good. In other versions, it gets even stronger. He says, unless you hate your mother and your father, you cannot be my disciple. You can't even follow me. What he meant was, you got to love me more. You see, relationship with Jesus trumps all other relationships. This is what Jesus was teaching. He was saying, my mission is more important. I'm going to honor my mother my father. I'm doing that. No, no problem. But my mission transcends that. My mission goes much higher. I've got a higher calling. That's why Paul said, you need to make your calling and election sure. Peter said that. Paul said, it's a high calling. It's high, man. This thing of being called to follow Jesus is a big deal. It's powerful. It's strong. They didn't see the mission. They didn't understand what was going on. They didn't know. They didn't just, I mean, just, you, how can you understand something you can't understand? It's amazing. So his family just giving him a hard time, but he sets that straight in his heart. And then his disciples his disciples, same thing, man. You'd think he chose them. You would think that when Jesus chose his leaders that he was going to turn the kingdom over to, that they would be sharp and that they would have it all together, man. I mean, Jesus ain't choosing no trash, you know what I mean? But you know what happened? His disciples became a big distraction to him. I mean, they were self-willed. They were ambitious. Uh, they were rebuking him, trying to tell him what to do. On one occasion, he is explaining to his inner circle his death and burial and resurrection. He's talking, and he's talking in plain language. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. They're, the religious leaders are going to mistreat me, and they're going to abuse me, and they're going to crucify me, and I'm going to die on the cross, but then I'm going to be raised up to life again. He's having this conversation with his disciples, and Peter, bless him, but Peter just comes and he just rebukes Jesus. He said, no, it never be, that's not going to happen, Jesus. I mean, you know, and Jesus pulls him on the side, but not really on the side. It's sort of like if I just pull you right over here and I'm talking to you and then I turn to everybody else in the congregation and I say, Jimmy, <laughs> Satan, get behind me. I'm talking about Jimmy here, guys. I'm not really talking about Satan, but I'm talking about Jimmy. I mean, he, he says, Peter, 
You're full of the devil. And then he explains, he says, you know what? You're only looking at things from a human perspective. That's what you're looking at from a human perspective. And that's not good. If you're not looking at it from the perspective of God, he says, get behind me, Satan. Why? Because Peter was trying to derail his mission. This morning, we read in the one-year Bible. When you read your one-year Bible, you read Jesus was in the wilderness. The Holy Spirit brought him to the wilderness. He was tempted of Satan. And, and when, when Satan said, hey, you can have everything, he, what did he say? He said, get behind me, Satan. The same words he used to talk to Satan face-to-face are the same words he used to talk to Peter face-to-face. It's amazing. Jesus was and is serious about this mission. Very, very serious. They're just messing up. And he says, you got to get behind me, Satan. you got to get behind me, Peter. you got to get him. Disciples, distractions. And then his enemies, they were great distractions. And the, the thing about Jesus is I, I, I just, and I just really got this the other day. I'm sure some of you already got it, but I just got it the other day. I, I, I was thinking, okay, Jesus, now, now, how did he handle his enemies? How, how do you handle your enemies, Jesus? Well, the thing is, he never, ever really got engaged in their drama. I'll tell you, getting engaged in, in, in drama, when you get in other people's drama, you know, that is a messy place. I mean, I just want to let you know that, that I, you would do good not to get involved in other people's drama. Jesus had a mission, the cross, the resurrection, the ascension, redemption of mankind, full obedience to the Father, and the religious enemies, man, they're always bugging him about whether or not his disciples wash their hands or not. I tell you, religion is something, man. It misses the big picture, and it... It misses the big picture, religion, and it gets down to the little bitty things. And he never got involved in their, in their stuff. So as I'm, I'm studying about this, I realize that there is no biblical evidence for Jesus being hostile towards his enemies. I, I don't see it. Now, he, he rebuked, Jesus brought the truth and he brought it strong, but you can bring the truth and bring it strong and without you know, you know, being hostile to people. And he'd just stand up and he'd say things to them, man. I mean, he just, he just would get down to it. He would speak boldly. But I realize that he has taught us that we are to love our enemies and pray for those who despitefully use us and abuse us. So if Jesus taught that, then Jesus always practiced what he preached. And so because he's practicing what he preaches, we need to practice. So that hostility you have towards people, that hostility you have I would encourage you, if you want to keep the mission of Christ, that you lay that to rest. Lay the hostility down, especially against people that you have no idea what it takes for them to do what they're doing, especially our government. I'm talking all the way down to our city council men and women. When are they going to fix this road? Had a man living along the river, the Pearl River, his house flooded. Hello. Someone once told me, if you live by the river, you're probably going to flood. And he got on news. He said, I want to know when the mayor and when the city is going to do something and the state's going to fix this problem. It rained a lot. The river came up. Your house flooded. <laughs> Did you understand that? 
And, and it's like, why don't they do something? Well, why don't you do something? Put your house up on some sticks, you know what I mean? And, and this kind of thing. And, uh, you know, go run the, the presidency for two days and see how hard it is. Hostility. He never had that towards the people. He practiced what he preached. And then, you know what another distraction Jesus had? He had the distraction of success. I mean, success is a great distraction. Because somehow or another, we feel like when we get successful, it buys us something. Somehow or another, we're, we're able. It's so dangerous. Uh, but Jesus handled success with humility. The greater the success, the greater the humility. I love the way he avoided, he avoided self-promotion. He, just, he never, ever uh, used his power. I mean, it's just amazing. He was so meek. He had such great strength, yet so controlled. When he was standing before Pilate, he, he spoke to Pilate in Matthew 26, and, and, and Pilate is just drilling him. You know, man, what about this? What about that? Uh, what about your power? What about your kingdom? What about all this? And he said this. He said, don't you realize that I could ask my father, because he's a good father, for thousands of angels to protect us, and he would send them instantly? <laughs> I mean, instantly, 5,000 angels. Let me tell you something, you don't mess with an angel. 5,000 angels. And Jesus, yet all that strength, all the strength of heaven in him, yet he subdued it all in order to finish the mission. All the success, people throwing him. He couldn't eat. There were so many people. He had to get in a boat to speak to him on, on, on the shore. I mean, he'd go over here, and by the time he got there, they were there. He'd have to go up in a mountain to a, a solitary place because he would minister so much, he couldn't even eat. He was successful. He was popular. Success is an amazing thing. But he stayed on mission. I love that. You know why? Jesus had a lot of great things going for him. He really did. And the, 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 the beauty part is that you got the great things going for you also. The same thing he had going for him, he had, you got going for you. He had, he had the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's, here's Jesus' success. Here's, if Jesus could speak today, he'd say, this is why it's successful. This is it. I had the power of the Holy Spirit. I stayed in prayer with my father, and I did all the things he told me to do. I lived by the word of God. Over 74 times Jesus quoted the Old Testament. I live by the word of God. I fought my battles by the word of God. I live that way. I, 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 he would say, I had the big picture. I saw the beginning and the end. Sometimes people just, so does that just seem a little bit? He said, I saw the beginning and the end. I, I saw the whole big picture. Folks, once you, get a, once you get sight of the big picture of what we're in, once you see where we're headed, what the church is all about, what God is going to do, once you see that, there is nothing that will get you off mission. Nothing. And it'll last your whole life. You won't sputter out when you're 70 or 80. You know, you know, your whole life, it will keep you. It kept Jesus. You know what else he'd say? I stayed focused. The opportunities that he had, they would have taken him as king of the Jews, an earthly king. I mean, look, when he'd tell Peter, go get a fish and take some money out, don't you think he could have just got a whole bunch of fish with a whole bunch of money? Don't, I mean, Jesus could have had anything he wanted, but he stayed focused on the main thing. And if you keep the main thing, the main thing, great things will happen. Now, Jesus handled three categories of people that we just want to go because we're just talking about his mission. 
and how successful he was and how he handled three different groups of people. The first group of people he handled was the religious people. Now, when I was talking, they were his enemies. Most of the religious people were against what Jesus was doing because he came and he messed with their thing. Look, Jesus comes and he messes with our things. He's messing with your thing. I mean, you, you say, I got this thing down, Pat. And, and then the Lord says, I'm just changing some things on you. I'm just going, we're going to do it a different way. You know, I don't want to change it, I, but I want you to change. But Lord, this is going good. He said, yeah, but I've got something better. Watch this. He didn't engage them because they, they just kept on going after him. It's just amazing how the people just kept going after Jesus. But, but the, those, those religious people, he did something really, really powerful. He exposed things in their life. He just exposed their hypocrisy. You know, in Matthew 23, he said, it's just so powerful. He said, he's, t he's talking to the people. He says, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. He didn't take anything away from them. He said, so practice and obey what, whatever they tell you. I mean, just, man, just do what they say, but don't follow their example. Man, what an indictment. I want, they're the keepers of the law. Do everything they say. Obey what they say, but don't follow their example. For they don't practice what they teach. What an indictment. Said so they crush people under unbearable practices. Oh. Mm. You know, hypocrisy. Can I help some of you who feel like you're a hypocrite? Because this is what the problem is. People with problems feel like they're hypocrites. That's why a lot of people don't go to church. Say, I can't come to church because I feel like I'm a hypocrite. You know, I've never met a person, a real hypocrite, who ever told me I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> not, not one time. I mean, I've been in things 36 years. Not one time did anybody ever say, you know, pastor, I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> no, people that are all broken up, having trouble, having problems, struggling, come and say, I don't want to come to God because I don't want to be a hypocrite. And I have to tell people you're not a hypocrite. Because if you were, you wouldn't be telling me you're a hypocrite. Because a hypocrite is a play actor. And a play actor doesn't want to tell anybody that they're play acting. And the only time a hypocrite says, I'm a play actor, is when they're confessing that they are a hypocrite, and then they are no longer a hypocrite. <laughs> I know that's, that's extensive, but, you know, this thing of hypocrisy. They, 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 Jesus said, you know what? You're like graves. You're painted white on the outside, and you're full of dead man bones on the inside. And we're all, you know, we all, we all do things in front of God that we don't do in front of people. We'd be rather, rather get caught by God than people. He exposed their impossible religious demands. Man, look, folks, Matthew 23, verse 4. They, the Pharisees, crush people with impossible religious demands and never lift a finger to cast to cast the burden to, or to ease the burden. And never, never even, he said, man, look, you're the keepers of the law. There were 613 Mosaic laws. 613, and the law was given to us to show us that we could not keep the law, to prove that we love God, that we needed a savior. So Jesus came and he fulfilled the law. 613 laws, man. And you've, you've been reading in your Bible. If you've been reading this, man, it's like, ooh, get me out of the book of Leviticus, please, Lord. Oh, I don't know about these kidneys and the fat. Did I take the fat and put it on the Or the kidney over there? What about this? And the entrails, and is it in the camp, out of the camp, the fire? I don't know, Lord. And so the Pharisees come along and say, the people are too dumb and stupid to know the law, so we've got to clarify the law. 
And so we're going to give more laws. We're going to expand the laws. We're going to put a thousand more laws on it. And it's still today, how many steps you can take on the Sabbath? Can I turn on the light and not turn on the light? Can I get me a grilled cheese sandwich, please? You know, and, and all these laws are still, and people are still under that heavy burden. But I want to tell you something. Jesus came and he took the burden. And he took the laws of God and he wrote them on the hearts of people. And the reason you don't need a lawgiver anymore, somebody just badger you, somebody to stand up in this pulpit and give you 12 things you better never do or God's going to hate you. It's because when you come to Jesus, you receive a brand new heart and God writes his law of the spirit of love, of love and acceptance in Christ Jesus on your heart and he sparks your conscience and he works through your heart and your conscience and he speaks to you about what you should or should not do. And that's how this thing of the kingdom of God works. Not by some legalistic rules and regulations and people, some people love it. And because... We no longer slap people all around when they come to church because we have learned about the love and compassion of the Christ. This criticism that comes and says, you don't preach the truth. But the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And if he's not going to take off somebody's head, I'm not either. And you shouldn't either. I mean, these religious people they just kept piling it on people, piling it on people. It's not to say that God's not going to tell you things to do and not to do. Yes, he does. And he will tell you what's right and wrong. And he will tell you what to do and what not to do. Yes, he will. But if it doesn't work through your conscience. I wrote something down. Pastor Jordan was speaking about three weeks ago. And I said, the Lord will, I just wrote this in my notes. The, the, the Lord will work through my conscience and, 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 and through my church and through, through the speaking, because my son is preaching and I'm, I'm receiving from the Lord. And, and then I wrote down, I said, but if that doesn't work, leadership, all they have left is to get into a legalistic situation and get hard on people. Well, guess what? If your heart is hard towards God today, there's no amount of me fussing at you that's going to change that. You need a change of heart. You need a submission to the, to the king, not the pastor, the king. Let's start from the top and come down. Let's get it right with the one who's on mission. See, they had it all wrong, the religious people of those days, and still today a lot of it is wrong. It's like, we're going to make you obey. That's stupid. My pastor wants to... And, and, my pastor told me, he said, Van, if people will not receive from you in public, don't ever think that they will receive from you in private. Like, if I get you in my office, I'm like, no, no. If they don't receive from here, they won't receive from there or anywhere. I just believe people needed to hear that. Jesus did not expose these impossible demands to win an argument, but to reveal truth. Hmm. He exposed pride, too. These religious leaders, they were just amazing, man. You know what? Matthew 23 says, Jesus just put it out. He said, everything they do, they do for show. 
Everything they do, they do for show. They don't do anything that they're trying to show off. He said the way they wear their clothes, long gowns and tassels, they're showing off. And then, you know, they can put a big box with scripture on their head. They literally did that, you know. And the bigger the box, the more spiritual they were. Like, man, I got a big box on my head here. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? And, and look at me. Look how much scripture I know. Look, and, they would, they would, and Jesus just started cutting that across those, that grain and saying, it's not about that. It's really today not about that. It's not about how many scriptures you can quote. It's about how alive the scripture is in, in your heart. That's what it's all about. And when that happens, something good is happening. So he just exposed that to them. You know, it's just, I just love the way he did it, you know. They had great influence. And, and let me tell you about your influence because many of you have great influence with people. A lot of you have more influence than you think with people. But your influence has not been given to puff you up. Your influence has been given so you can help somebody else. Any, any, any platform of, on the job, if you're a supervisor, use it to influence people for good. It's not about you. You got a promotion, don't stick your chest out. Drop your head and say, thank you, Jesus. It's all about Jesus empowering you to do mission. I love Jesus. He influenced people. He influenced his enemies. He influenced his followers. You know, the disciples were just a great group of guys. I mean, we talk about them because they're so much like us. But you know what? Jesus put his finger on them and said, come follow me, and I'm going to make you a fisher of men. I'm going to turn you into something you're not now. And he took a, he took a bunch of uh, strange guys, and, and you know what he did? He turned them into great followers, great teachers, and they all gave their life for the kingdom. It's not how you start that matters. It's how you finish. And they finished strong. His followers, he modeled things after them. You know, uh, it's, it's just amazing that, that Jesus, he, he, would, he would live and he would model things before them. It's, it's like he didn't just do a classroom. He just lived it and they walked with him and they saw how he handled things. You, you know, can I just read a list of, of, of Jesus, the examples he gave? He showed love without compromise because you can love and accept without compromising truth. He, he, he had strict obedience without legalistic burden. Watch this. He had absolute truth with a proper attitude. You can live in absolute truth. You ain't got to get all mad at people, all hostile at people. Just live absolute truth. What is right is right. What is wrong is wrong. And live that thing without an attitude. He had concern and compassion while maintaining godly standards. Just because he didn't condemn something didn't mean he condoned it. As a matter of fact, his heart broke over people who were in trouble. He had forgiveness and forbearance without grudges and bitterness. This is the examples that Jesus gave. And then he expounded truth. He wasn't only just an example. He would take his disciples. You know, he'd go in the crowd and he'd say, I want to talk to you about a tree, a mustard seed. I want to talk to you about, you know, some talents. I want to talk to you about these things. I want to talk to you about some birds taking the seed and some stones. And the people would go, what, what, what? And then when they got in the back room, the disciples say, man, what's, what is that? we don't understand that. He said, sit down. Let me explain it to you. Let me expound the truth to you. And then he'd say, I wasn't really talking about a seed. I'm talking about the word of God. I wasn't really talking about birds. I was talking about the devil. And I wasn't talking about a form I'm talking about me you read that in the book of Mark chapter 4 he said that's what I, that's what I was doing he expounded truth now this is for everybody who, who thinks I can't understand the word of God let me tell you the main reason why people can't understand the, the, the word of God it's because they're probably not a child of God I mean everything from God comes by revelation folks it's not learned up in the head 
It comes from a revelation. It comes from the heart. And so well, if you read the word and you're not connected to God, you're just going to get some word, you know what I mean? And God, will, he'll work through that to work with you. But if you really want to know how God works and who he is and how he operates in his heart and his mission, you give your heart to him, then he'll open up the scripture to you. And you'll be astonished. And I believe this. I believe every person can understand the word of God. Now, that doesn't mean that you understand everything because I don't understand everything. I read the Bible so now it's like, I don't understand that. <laughs> and I've been reading the Bible 36 years. I don't understand that. I didn't understand that 28 years ago. I still don't understand that. I've even studied that and I'm not sure I understand it. And I've also realized that a lot of the scholars don't understand that either, Lord. We just don't understand that. So I'm going to keep reading. <laughs> and then one day I can. Lord, help me to understand that. And then it's amazing. Then all of a sudden somebody will be teaching and preaching and revelation will come. Bam. That's what that means. I never knew. And then he, con he, con he corrected and he instructed the, the disciples. My goodness, folks, listen to me. He constantly corrected the people that were closest to him. Sort of like your kids. I mean, you know, James and John, they're right on the side of him. And you know what they want? He's talking about, I'm going to Jerusalem to die. And you know what their conversation is behind him? I want to sit on the right side. No, I want to sit on the right side of him when he comes in his power. Now, go ask mama to go talk to Jesus. <laughs> they ask mama, to, mama, go talk to Jesus. We want, I want to be on the right side. But John said he want to be on the right side. And so mama, what she does, she goes to Jesus. Right in the midst of his mission. And he said, I'm going to the cross to die. And he said, hey, by the way, put that on hold, Jesus. I want to talk to you about my boys here. And he corrected that. He said, you know what? You want to be the top dog? Then serve everybody else. If you want to be on top, get on the bottom. He said, this is different than the world. You're going to wash people's feet. You're going to serve people that hate you. But, uh, but if you'll do that, then I'll be well pleased with you when it's all said and done. It's just amazing. The kids want to come to Jesus because he draws kids, the disciples. Don't, don't stop those kids from coming. Jesus said, man, let them come. It's all right. He never was too busy. He's walking down the street one day. There's, there's a woman that's just, you know, there's a blind man. Stay away, Barnabas. You know, you're just a dirty, filthy beggar. Just get a. Jesus said, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, stop everything, God. Tell him to come over here. Tell him to come here so that I can heal him of blindness. We're not too busy. I'm going to heal him. I'm only going to take a moment. What can I do for you, Barnabas? Jesus, that I might see. Go in peace. Your faith has made you whole. Okay, let's keep on going. Let's go keep on going. Let's stay on mission. I mean, he just corrected them. Man, they didn't have faith. He said, why you got no faith? He said, how long am I going to be with you? How many times I got to tell you? I've been told you a hundred times. I mean, you know what I mean? Didn't you just see? We just fed 5,000 people with a little bread and fish. And now you're talking. You don't even know what you're talking about. And you woke me up in the boat, too. Just got that little wind blowing. <laughs> Man, what is this all about? Don't you know nothing yet? You know, I mean, he had to deal with that. So, you know what? He, he had patience with them. He got patient with you. Third group of people and the final group I want to share with you is that he engaged the crowd. He loved the crowd. It's just so wonderful about them. He, he was so accepting of the crowd, even without reservation. I mean, just like, you know, he, he preached to everybody. He went, well, well, I want to know what that guy doing over there. Uh, look at that guy over there. He just, he just preached to them. He had an all-welcoming heart. 
and ministry. He's straight on mission, and his mission is to seek and save the lost. So he just seeks everybody out in the crowd. I just love the crowd. You know, it's amazing. I never know what's in this room, two services on Sunday morning, much less the other services in our other campuses. But I know one thing. There's a crowd of people, and in that crowd, there's all kind of people with all kind of stuff, good and not so good. But they're, they're at the feet of Jesus. They're at the hillside, and they're listening. They all messed up. Got prostitutes up in there, you know, that people probably beat their wives and all kind of mess going on. But it, they're listening to Jesus. And he spoke simplistic truth to them. I just love the way he spoke to them. I mean, and he just he just spoke to them. So so you know, he wasn't hostile, but he said to one crowd, he said, You know, you all come in to hear me, but you're not coming uh, to hear what I got to say, really. You're coming, you know, you know. You're coming because I fed you some fish and some bread. He even knew they had the wrong motive, but yet he still broke the bread of simplistic truth and fed the people. Jesus has always been that way. The father told Moses that I want you to speak to the rock and I'm gonna, water's gonna flow out of the rock and all these people are gonna drink. And Moses got so angry with the people, he took his staff and he hit the rock. He did it wrong. It kept him out of the promised land. But guess what God did? God let the water flow anyway. I just love that. You see, God cannot be deterred off of his mission. He gonna do what he has. It's just so simplistic. Not only that, he made the kingdom available to everyone. He crossed every gender. He crossed all the social barriers. He crossed all the religious barriers. I mean, he just kept climbing over every hurdle, every hurdle to get the message to people that God loved them. You know, someone once said, God saw through my sin and saw my need. I think that's a great saying. That God sees through all of our junk, all of people's junk. And you know what? I haven't forgotten how much junk I had in my life when I came to Jesus. And I didn't know enough church to know that I couldn't come to him with all my junk. I just came, man. Right, James and Lola? Yeah, should have been dead, but God saved you, you know? Just came with all our baggage. We didn't know about baggage. We didn't know we had it. But just came. The crowd just comes. I say, come on, just like you are, just come. He made it available to everyone. He exposed the people to the power of God. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He cast out demons. And he preached the gospel. A solidified mission. Now, the last thing he did, and this is it. He engaged the one. He spoke to the crowds, man, but he went after the one. I love how he goes after the one. He's in a crowd. They're throwing him. He's walking, and all of a sudden, he turns around and says, someone touch me. Someone, a someone, a one touched me. It's the opposite of Jesus. Everybody touching on you, bro. We, we got, I mean, we're in this big old crowd. He said, no, somebody touched me. Let me find the one. And he found the woman that had been bleeding for 12 years and healed her. There's always the one he found. I love how he just seeked out the one. Nicodemus, the one at night. The one religious man who believed in The one. And then the one of a one little bitty man. A little bitty man who couldn't see Jesus because the crowd was so big that he climbed up into a tree. He wanted to see Jesus. He was a wicked little man. 
He was a nasty little man. He was a hated little man. And Jesus makes a profound statement in front of everybody. He says, Zacchaeus, yeah, you up in the tree. Yeah, yeah, come, get down out of the tree and come see. Come here. Yeah, just you. You're the only one I'm talking. I got a crowd of people. You, come, okay, you, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to supper at your house tonight. I want to come to your house. Out of all those people, I imagine that some people, Jesus never went to their house. I imagine they got offended that Jesus never went to their house. And you're going to pick this small, this little, this little crumb, and you go into his house. Don't you know he's a sinner? Don't you know he's a lying, cheat, crooked businessman? You got to have my money. Zacchaeus just comes to Jesus, the one, takes him to his house, and there's no record of him saying a prayer. There's no, although prayers are good, there's no record of him doing anything. All of a sudden, he just says, hey, I'm giving my money away. And the money I've taken, I'm giving it back. I'm paying back everything. And Jesus says, Zacchaeus, tonight, this day, tonight, salvation has come to your house. The one. I'm glad that Jesus deals with the one in the crowd. You're the one in the crowd today. Whether you've been a believer for many years, you're the one. Whether you're just starting out with Christ, you're the one. Whether you're sitting there right now and your heart is saying, I need Jesus. He goes after the one. Let's bow our heads together. Jesus knows everything. He knows if you're a believer right now sitting in that chair, you're just along with God right now. He knows your marital problems. He knows your money problems. He knows the sickness that's in your home. He knows your shortcomings, your sin. But yet he's come after you. Jesus is still on mission today. Seek, save the lost. If you're a believer in this room right now, you've been following Jesus. I want to just reinforce to you that God is a good father, that he cares about you. He hasn't forgotten you. He loves you. He's encouraging you right now. That mountain that you face, you're going to speak to it, and it's going to be taken out of the way. You're going to mount up on top of that thing, and you're going to overcome it. Don't you be worrying. You let the Lord handle it. You just get yourself positioned in faith and believe him. Father, I'm praying for your church right now. I'm just agreeing with every believer in this room right now that God, you'd strengthen and encourage in their walk. God, they'll see the big picture and stay focused. God, help us to not look to the right or to the left, but to stay focused on eternity and what great things you have for us. God, we just recommit ourselves to pressing in to the high calling that you've given us. Thank you for us. Now, for others of you, and don't be ashamed about this because I was in that same boat 36 years ago. You sit there and you're not sure whether or not you're accepted by God. 
you're not sure or you're not assured of salvation you had not been reconciled to God I'm going to help you do that right now I'm just a person but right now I represent the Lord I can't save you but he can I just want to be a helper this is the question I want to ask you if you're sitting in the chair right now and you understand that you're separated from God just because you're a nature that's just the nature of human being separated from God your sin nature has just done that it's this wall between you and God but you want that wall taken down today you want to embrace the Lord you want to be a Christian a believer you want a new life if that's you I want to pray for you right where you are and I believe God is going to change things with you this is all I'm going to ask you to do while every head is bowed and every eye is closed I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand up and say pastor that's me thank you for that hand there that hand there thank you so much thank you for that hand there thank you Come on, don't be afraid. If you're not right with God, no indictment. Thank you over here in my life. It's not an indictment like you're a, over here. Thank you. It's just we all have to come to God. The Bible teaches that everybody has sinned and fallen short of God's perfect glory. Anybody else before I pray, I just want you to just, if you haven't raised your hand, raise it up. That's right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. You see, when your hand goes up, God sees your heart open up. And when your heart opens up, you're ready. Now, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. It's so simple, you might say, it's got to be more than that. No, religion says things have got to be long and drawn out. But with God, He already knows your thoughts before you ever think them. You who raise your hand, simply just say this after me. Say, Father in heaven, would you forgive me of my sin? I turn from it right now and I embrace Jesus to be my Lord and to be my Savior. And I thank you, Lord God, for seeking me out and for saving me today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. I want to thank the Lord for those who prayed. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God. So we'd love to help you with your next steps. If you'll go to northwood.tv connect and fill out the online information card, our lead pastor, Van DeCote, wants to send you a letter that tells you some more steps to take that'll help you maintain your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you live in one of these areas, we'd love to see you at one of our services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and locations. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv give or simply text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you next time.